Hello, everybody, and welcome to another Bald Move Prestige podcast. Another commission, the two-time, two-time and maybe maybe more, but I know at least two, uh, Michael, who recently brought us in Bruges, back at the table again with the 1952 Japanese drama Akiru, directed by the master himself, Akira Kurosawa, co-written with him alongside Shinobu Hashimoto and Hideo Oguni. Uh, it's based on Tolstoy's The Death of Ivan Ilyich, which I am not familiar with. Mm. It stars Takashi Shimura, who is a longtime collaborator. Uh, I mean, his this guy's filmography. This is one of the greats of Japan, but he collaborated with uh, Kurosawa, I think, 11 times, including for Rashomon, Seven Samurai. He was the professor in the OG Godzilla. Okay. Wow. That's, I think, going to come out four years later from pretty, the same fucking cool company <laughs> releasing Godzilla released a year <laughs> uh, it uh, also stars Kamatari Fujiwara uh, who also collaborated with uh, you know Kurosawa which isn't that you know like Kurosawa is like it's like collaborate with Martin Scorsese like yeah mm-hmm. yeah a lot of people did a lot of people did uh, she worked with him on Hidden Fortress Yojimbo. Unfortunately, I don't I, like. You know, this is where I run into as particularly old foreign films is like I, I don't know who's famous and like what name is going to like like if you leave out, it's going to destroy. These are, I think, the <laughs> uh-huh. in, unquestionable stars of the film. Um, so yeah. So like, let's start. What did you think of this 1952 Japanese film about? life and death and the meaning of same and oh, yeah. bureaucracy and fleetingness of youth mm-hmm. uh and in family dynamics in japan in the 50s uh yeah it's about all that stuff uh i think it's a good movie or let's say the, the when i watched it i thought oh that was good but i don't feel like it, it it it's it's largely hailed as like one of the best movies ever made and i can see why that might have been true in 1952 definitely um it's like i was looking at a list of 1950s movies made in america um and there are a few that i would say compare incredibly favorably to this movie on that list um so i i can see why it's definitely like a classic that said, I found it to have a couple of bugaboos personally for me that were sort of taking me out of it. Um, and I think a lot of this has to do with the cultural mismatch, um, yeah. not understanding the family dynamics of the Japanese culture at the time. Um, but I, I found myself really not able to get into the latter half of this movie in the way that I think it really wanted me to because of those things. So ultimately, I came out thinking... Yeah, that was good, but I I'm not sure I would call it great. Yeah, I kind of I largely agree. I mean, this is great in the ten, the in the sense that like art is great. Like the Mona Lisa is great. The Mona Lisa is not something mm-hmm. you hang up in your dorm room because it's fucking awesome or it's super <laughs> sure, cool yeah. or she's so hot, right? It's but it's like <laughs> uh-huh. you know seeing the master do something, seeing a master do something enigmatic and introspective and complex. And I feel mm-hmm. like there's a, there's a few like you get back into the silver screen of Hollywood and there's definitely like museum pieces. Like I think Citizen Kane is like that. It's like unquestionably a great film, surprisingly entertaining even today. Mm-hmm. But definitely, you know, it uh, it belongs in a museum. Um, 
and then you look at other films like i think um you know i always say that like the maltese falcon i just watched the man who came to dinner's awesome fucking uh christmas romp that was filmed in i think 51 that feel very modern they're like crackle and the dialogue sparkles and it's like they're they're entertaining like cotton candy even today this is not that film and and it, this film it's interesting that we're watching it right now on the threshold of Christmas because this kind of feels like a Christmas film. I was this it almost shares, felt like the Japanese It's a Wonderful Life in a weird way. I was <laughs> this is kind of a wonderful life juxtaposed mm-hmm. with a little bit of um a Christmas carol. Okay. Yeah. And then at the midpoint of the film, Twelve Angry Men breaks out. <laughs> yeah, and totally. completely dominates the rest of the film. And I think it makes it more philosophically interesting, but uh-huh. emotionally it didn't connect as well as like, um, because like when, he, when, you know, there's a, as a spoilers uh, for a film, like there's a man <laughs> that gets stomach cancer and he dies at the midpoint of this film. Yeah, they right? literally tell you this is going to happen at the very beginning of the movie. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, but even still when it happened and I look at the clock and I'm like, holy shit, there's an hour and 15 minutes to go. Mm-hmm, this, mm-hmm. like I went from like, man, this film just like, like cracked along to, oh, okay. And like I said, it, it definitely slows down, but, um, you know, this is, uh, Ebert mentioned this, this is a film that like you should see as a young person and then check in with every yeah. five or 10 years of your life because it's, it's also a living memento mori. You know, mm-hmm. like, don't take anything for granted. Why are you living? Um, what is the point of life? And you're going to get different things out of it at different stages of your, uh, of your life. And, I, and, you know, this isn't the only film that does that. this, obviously. Oh, not even close. Yeah, I've seen that's and that's one of the problems, right, is I've seen I probably should have seen this movie 20 years ago. And mm-hmm. I think it would have been more moving to me. Not that there isn't anything moving in this. There are some incredibly moving scenes. Uh, but I felt like overall, I largely just kind of agreed and was nodding along with the movie the entire time as opposed to having the wool pulled from my eyes by the film which i think is what it was doing for a lot of people at the time yeah and and i think that it speaks to a particular person like if you like i think it does hit hard if you're in middle-aged if your children are transitioning from childhood to adulthood and finishing school and you know, getting married and and worrying about their own financial concerns, and you know, you look back at the, you know, you you, you had this young, this this vital life, and then you've the last twenty five years have gone by, and now you're old and gray, and maybe you counted on doing some things in retirement, and no, so you got six months left. What are you mm-hmm. going to do with six months left? Um, it was a lot. It was a lot. I you know, because like I've been feeling a lot. You know, if if you've if you've <laughs> especially paid attention to like club stuff and lunches like you'll know that i've been considering a lot of these questions you know my son is 17 going on 18 yeah. he'll be you know maybe launching maybe not but like you know the hard work of actually oh my god trying to keep this person alive slash out of jail is going to be largely over and that's like been my whole reason for existence for the last like 15 20 years and like now mm-hmm. what and, um, and yeah i look i'm i'm just past 40 at this point and I think, yeah. yeah, looking at this movie through that lens is like, okay, I've got, you know, another 20 years of real vitality, another 40 of life, if I'm lucky, that kind of thing. And, and like Michael says, he he's turning 40 as well. This is kind of the perfect time uh-huh. to examine these ideas. 
Uh, and this is a decent the young Turks. I only got 13 of those vital years left. And then I don't even know. I don't even know. You well, guys are talking 20 like it's going to happen. Wait till you <laughs> fuck up your wrist when you're 46 and then you lose. That, and that's that's the yeah, other yeah. thing that I, f- I found was interesting is like, I really feel like four years ago, I'd have watched this movie and been like, well, thank God I'm not this guy. Mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. I really, for like a decade or though, I really feel like I was kicking the world's ass. And I mean, I mean, there's been a lot of ink spilled about what's happened to us since like the pandemic and how like Mm -hmm. it feels like we have lost years. Like there's articles written that psychologically people uh, like have not developed like in the three years like you're supposed to like if a person, you know, especially when you're talking about children, young adults. Yeah, that's fine. Even older people in your late 30s. It's not so good when you're in your mid teens. Right, right. Um I kind of felt this like that, like I, I, I remember thinking the last two years I've said like, this is going to be the year where mm-hmm. I get out of the, I get out of the fucking house and do some stuff again. Like, you know, I look at my life before 2019 and I was like sailing and going on, uh, I was traveling and I was building things and I was doing, and like, you know, life kind of got smaller and I, I want to break back out into that and it's just it's it's hard and i feel like this movie is one of the things that's trying to give me a kick in the ass to to commit to that to commit to live because that's what this this was literally means akiru means to live mm-hmm. and the end of this um, movie captures that really well i think um in the discussions between the bureaucrats uh in the wake of this man's death they examine his actions through the lens of their own lives and they come up wanting there they they see how they're falling into his patterns yeah and and it it, and it inspires a change well it inspires them to pledge to change and i've never seen a movie like this where it's like imagine if the christmas carol you know like at the halfway point scrooge has his conversion and everybody dances around and then the rest of the movie was all the people all the other businesses on scrooge's financial street you're like, what the hell got into Scrooge? Can you believe he went around giving away turkeys and pheasants and chickens and he donated a bunch of money like that? He's going to be in the poor. And then and then deciding like, no, actually, Scrooge got it right. We should all be down for Christmas. And then you know, essentially indicting themselves and the entire audience by like, yeah, you've had this experience and, and you, you're you're full of fire and you're full of piss and vinegar and you want to make a change. But you're not gonna mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you're you're going you're going to walk out of this movie haven't had this experience and you're going to go back to your job. You're going to hide behind your mountains of paperwork. You're going to hide from your wife, you're going to hide from your kids. You're going to, you know, and I, I wonder and, if there's an intentionality there to sort of piss people off, you know, yeah. say that's not going to fuck you. That's not going to be me. That's not what I'm going right. to do. It's like uh, reverse psychology. Right. Right. When, when somebody tells you, you can't do something, you go and do that thing despite them. Right. It could be what the film is trying to do at the end because yeah, it's, I felt it definitely and and that's what the movie I think is effective at doing is making you feel the emotions of its characters uh, rather strongly yeah like Michael said in his uh, he's got some points he wants us to consider but his only dedication was thank you for taking the commission I'm turning 40 and like Wantanabe at the piano bar thought I'd bum everybody else out <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh that's all right. Sometimes, sometimes you need you need to be bummed out. But I, I've never mm-hmm. seen a movie. 
I've, I've rarely seen a movie turn the camera around at the audience and be like, what are you going to do about it, pussy? Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, like, Black Klansman's kind of the last one I can remember that uh, <laughs> does has an ending kind of like where it's just like, yeah, what are you going to do about it? Oh, you, you got on your high horse, you're feeling a certain way, what are you going to do about it? Um, mm-hmm. That one's a little more direct, as I recall. But this is pretty fucking direct. This is pretty fucking direct. Yeah. Like, that yeah. ending is, like, it's like... Yeah, I've never seen an ending like it's like a wonderful life with an ending that makes it clear that the vast majority of people to watch this movie are not going to have their lives changed by it. And the director knows that. And that's part of the that's why I'm saying like, God, it's the cur- like it's the curse of the commission film that you never know what film you're going to get across. You know, you know, like sometimes we we know we've seen it a bunch of times. We're like, oh, yeah, it's going to mm-hmm. be fun. It's going to be this. But like here it's like it's old, a, a Kurosawa film. Like you had written a promo two weeks ago and we were recording it and you're like going on about samurai. Whoa. I said, this is not a That's samurai like classic film. Classic samurai like, film. I'm, I'm like, oh, I, Kurosawa makes something other than samurai films. Shit. And the only that. reason the only reason I knew to correct you is when I was looking it up to kind of like, you know, because whenever I take a commission, I'm like, I haven't seen it. Let's it's what. It, oh, it's a Kurosawa. Oh, it'll probably be good. But I happen to know, see the poster and it's a dude in like 1950s business attire. Mm-hmm. That's the mm-hmm. only because like literally every single Kurosawa film I've ever seen. Admittedly, I've only seen like five of them. They've all been period pieces set yeah, yeah. in the Shogunate period. Uh you know the war, warring states, like which which I think is na- is name checked in this film. So it's like, yeah, it it um, it was nothing like I expected, and uh, it's one of those films where like, I feel like you're woefully under equipped to talk about it if you only watch it the one time. I, I agree. Yeah, um, especially once I started reading some reviews of it, I'm like, oh, I wasn't really picking up on that aspect of it, but I see it now, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, mm-hmm. And this is a film that's been talked about ad nauseum. Oh yeah, for decades. every shot been so, broken down, dissected. Yeah. Like, and and I and I you know because I've I've been doing this a while, so I've gotten kind of good at some parts of it. Um, I started noticing like how early in the film Kurosawa is because that's what I was worried about it's like oh god sometimes you watch a 1950s film and you just tell like um and this thing was so sh- bunched uh, and and hunched and conventionally filmed and just in like these straight sequences very stark um very Nordic um Teutonic in its effect and I'm like oh god this film has no fucking life this film's going to be a slog and then when you find out that uh, Watanabe gets his death sentence, when he goes to the doctor, finds out he has stomach cancer, slowly the film starts opening up and he does like some pretty interesting shots. There's a couple of really cool mirror reverse angle shots that he does and like some bars. There's a really cool like three story staircase where you see this guy leading Watanabe up into this nightclub that is like nothing you've seen in the film to that part. And it's just like the movie starts expanding and getting more life. And then it's like he uses the sophistication expression of his cinematography to tell the story about like what's going on in this mm-hmm. salary man's mind. And and then, um, you know, once he dies, he you, you kind of you're kind of like back in that kind of claustrophobic environment where you're you're stuck in this room with these stuffy people trying to figure out, you know, baffled why wh- wh- mm-hmm. why this all happened. So like and I imagine there's even more of that. Oh, you know, yeah, I'm sure. Like you can go through um, just just like you can go through Citizen Kane frame by frame and just see like all the things Orson's doing here and there and there. I'm sure you could do that with this film, and I'm sure it's been done. But mm-hmm. uh, like I said, you never you, you never know. You, you budget your hours for a commission film, 
and uh, you, you, you figure out what you can figure out. Uh, but yeah, I, I feel like this is not the definitive uh, review of this film, for sure. <laughs> it's okay. I mean, it, look, everything is through the lens of your own perspective, and that's kind of where we're going to be. So... If to that end. We should probably talk about the film. I'll do yeah. the thing where it's like, I've, I, I feel like this is a formality, but yeah, this film is about a man who has worked in government all his life for 25 years. He's got a son who's in his young uh, early 20s, mid 20s, recently gotten married. Um, his, uh, his, his wife has died, um, which clearly is a sadness that he ca- he's, he's carried with him for a long time. Um, and he's just... Uh, the the film says killing time not living and there's like a narrator to kind of like a, a, a point all this out and uh he notices that the things that the small things that used to give him joy his eating and his drinking uh is something he's having a hard time doing anymore food doesn't taste as good he's losing a lot of weight he goes to the doctor finds out he has stomach cancer six months to a year to live and suddenly this man who has just putting his head down and just kind of marking time and not considering that it's close to the end realizes that he hasn't lived. He has wasted the gift of life and he sets off on a quest to find what it means to really live. And um, he meets several people that kind of like point him in different directions Maybe the point of life is to enjoy yourself to the utmost. Maybe the point of life is to make connections with others. Maybe the point of life is to build something, to have a legacy that you pass on. And he kind of go, and then like, and a surprise in the half point of the movie, he dies. And then <laughs> we, uh, uh, a, a boardroom scene breaks out to discuss it. Uh, yeah. That's five a month time jump, which shocked me, frankly, uh, I was not expecting a five month. I was not expecting to jump past his death. I expected to see fairly linear story here. All right. Well, I'm going to let Michael tee you up. That's one of the things he wanted to discuss about. What do we think of the time skip? What it would this movie be more successful if it played out conventionally? Um, I'll just say no. Because this is regarded okay. as, as like one of the greatest films. But like, yeah, if you want, I because I I think this movie would have been a better It's a Wonderful Life if it played out chronologically Mm -hmm. but I don't think he wanted to make A Wonderful Life he wanted to make something that speaks to how he was feeling about the Japanese culture at the time seemingly yeah no I I don't think it would be better um, necessarily I I hmm. I'm torn on this because I, I think like the stuff after the time jump doesn't work super well for me because it feels like I'm it feels like it's a story being pulled in two directions. It wants to be very personal with this guy, but it also wants to say this big thing about bureaucracy. And I feel like those are two competing agendas that he he manages to dovetail them fairly well at the end, I think. But I felt the the dissonance there. I felt like. Ah, I was starting to really get into this man's life and now it's over, you know? And that could yeah. be intentional, but like I said, we've watched this once, so I don't I don't have the analysis there. Yeah, you look at um It's a Wonderful Life. What's the protagonist in that, George? Yeah, I don't remember his um, last name. 
the the you know the star the 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 star of the show um yeah. james stewart jimmy stewart he uh the, the the so the point of the movie is not just him making a difference in others lives it's also him crusading gets a, a form of bureaucracy in a system mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. but like the system was actively opposed to him and he had to you know like it was trying to thwart him it was like a villain that he was trying to defeat the difference here, I think, is the bureaucracy is something that you retreat into as a defense. It's not something they're really fighting against. And in fact, like you can get mm-hmm. sh- a lot of shit done when you just finally stop trying to hide and 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 waste time and play it safe. And you just start actually, you know, you know, bossing around getting shit done. Um, I think that's one of the big differences. And that's why it feels a little disjointed, because yeah imagine if like George could have loaned his neighbor's money any time he wanted to he just decided to give him the runaround behind the paperwork and at the end of the movie he decided not to do that that's 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 not mm-hmm. the same story as George being thwarted by a more ruthless banker and you know by a system that didn't support like giving money out to immigrants and trying to give him a better life and you know he he lost everything trying to do right by his community that's not the same story and I think that's the that's a little bit dissonance is like maybe we're expecting that kind of story and it's not that it's bad it's just that yeah i was expecting especially once i got to the one third mark i'm like oh this is going to be the japanese it's a wonderful life and yeah i guess i expected all the stuff it was going to do with bureaucracy to be the stuff that it did up front um and then it brought it back around and it surprised me and i I don't want to say that you know i didn't enjoy it because i think like there's a lot of parallels there between his life and the bureaucracy right if you play it safe you actually don't you, you might you might end up you know living a long life and having a lot of time spent on that but is it going to be worthwhile right are you going to get your parks built or are you going to just sit at a desk stamping papers um so th- he's doing a really good job tying those two ideas together at the end it it more <laughs> So, so one of the biggest problems I have with this movie that ties into this time jump is nobody talks to each other. And that kills me in a movie, especially the scene where he goes to his son and he's about to say, I have stomach cancer. I'm dying. Here's why I've been behaving weirdly. Here's why I disappeared for five days. And his son jumps in, interrupts him and says, you've been having an affair. We think it's disgusting. We hate you, old man. Uh, and he does not set the record straight. And this kills me. This is what I was talking about with the personal bugaboos. This kills me in a movie when a character, because I can't imagine myself in that situation, not putting up a defense, not saying you've got it all wrong, man. I have not been having an affair. I have stomach cancer. I'm dying. And so him not saying that is the impetus for the rest of the movie after the the time jump, right? So now I'm looking at this and I'm going, none of this stuff should have happened because he should have communicated slightly better. He should have defended himself in that moment. I said, because like, obviously we've talked about this big bugaboo with me and I find myself disagreeing with you. I'm trying to think about why. Um, I think that the situation for me with his son that they, they the way they built that relationship and i thought that was a really subtle and interesting thing that they did um is that and, and especially in the circumstance of him dying like 
the fact that he's about to tell his son that, you know, hey, the reason I've been acting strange is because I'm dying. And for his son to come up with this, like, all this selfish bile that he just throws up on his father and his father to kind of be taken mm-hmm. aback by how little his son really cares about him. Um, yeah, I, 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 I it, it kind of felt right that he's like, oh, my God, there's not even a relationship here to repair. And I saw a lot of commentary that like this was Kurosawa, you know, like I guess a theme in his work of sons being overly harsh to their fathers, you know, like holding yeah, this them is the to cultural sh- to sharp account. Yeah, this but is a it felt to it felt to me like that that's not what this like this that this movie is not absolving Watanabe from like in fact it, it's indicting him like mm-hmm. for being the he mummy. was happy when his son made him proud and he was ashamed of his son when his son failed mm-hmm. he when his son was going to a scary surgery instead of being by his side he begged off to go to work they're showing all these betrayals that he made of his son when his son looked at him with stars in his eyes. You're my dad. And, and not, you know, he had his reasons. His wife died. He didn't ask to be put in this situation. He had a lot of, but like ultimately he taught his son that his son was not as important as his work. And as a consequence, his son sees his father as not as important as the things that his work Hey, you've worked all your life, old man. When he's like, he's like a he's like a stock investment. Like, when is this mm-hmm. thing going to mature? Mm-hmm. When is this thing going to? When you get your <laughs> retirement bonus so we can buy a house and not? There's a little bit of that traditional versus modern commentary where. Bit, yeah. You know, like Wantanabe still lives in a classic Japanese house with the rice paper walls and it's kind of drafty and his son and his wife are complaining about it. Oh, we want a modern house. We want something that's not this drafty old Japanese crap. And mm-hmm. but I, I, I felt like Kurosawa's rejecting that, you know, like that that like that boomer talk of, you know, uh oh, my son is being an asshole and he's not showing the proper respect for his elders because his elder never showed him the proper kind of respect and care that he probably deserved as a kid. Yeah, it's tough for me to tell. Like I said, there's a cultural disconnect there. I don't know because they're... Right. I I understand that, you know, the Japanese people put a lot of value in their work and they're appreciative of it and it's not something that, like, they would be condemned for, but I don't know if that's just a modern viewing of it if that dates back to the fifties or if that's like an eighties thing, um, that's carried on, I really don't have the right context to, to judge it. I just know that personally when I'm watching a movie, I always hate when characters don't communicate, uh, and it drives the plot. There's, um, yeah. And I also wonder like if he had managed to tell his son that he's dying of stomach cancer, what would it have, would it have actually made a difference? Well, the you end know. of the movie, the, the end of the movie wouldn't happen, right? The five month flash forward, everybody'd be like, "Yep, yeah, the old man had cancer and he knew it. So he got that park built. The yeah, end. I mean, it, yeah, I think the movie, I don't think the whole end would have been preempted because like the, the them debating over why he did it was only like 15, 20 minutes of it. Most of it was this like, you know, like holding um holding themselves up and, and measuring their performance by his post death finding out performance mm-hmm. you know and like finding themselves wanting but like yeah i'm trying to think if so but anyway like yeah it's a bugaboo um yeah my my general feeling was i think this movie could have been like 30 minutes shorter but there's a lot of going around in circles i felt i i almost felt like there were some redundancies in the beginning of it um like 
when he's going out on the town with this uh his Findom daddy uh <laughs> I, I don't know his name the author the mm-hmm. uh who, who takes him out and teaches him how to spend all his money uh it it felt a little repetitive when he then did this whole thing with the young uh employee in his office Like hmm. both of those were him trying to figure out how to live his last days, and I guess he, he was going to someone else to teach him. But that's like I felt like the first guy's like going to Ernest Hemingway and asking how to live, like you know, a mature, mm-hmm. sophisticated, worldly person who you know might have misspent a lot of his life, and he's coming yeah. at it from a place of cynicism. Well, living it up is going to see the most exotic women dancers, and it's going mm-hmm. to drink the finest sake, and it's going to listen to the most current music, and and then you know he goes to someone at the opposite in their life, someone who's very naive and young and impressionable, and everything is wonderful to them, and <laughs> yeah. And also that person that who's been weird. like that, like, like, I also wondered if like he saw himself as like, did I remember what it's like to be in my 20s and start this job for the first time? Because mm-hmm. look at like this, this woman is like, fuck this job. I can't, I'm not going to sit here and die in this job. I want to go make toys. I want to do something. I want to build. So I felt like that there was differences in what he got from the relationships. You found yeah. it repetitive, huh? Yeah. Uh, a little bit. Yeah. I felt like it was like like it's repetitive in the way that like Scrooge visiting the ghost star, you know, that they're essentially <laughs> going to have the same interaction. They're going to show him sure, things about sure. his life and and each ghost has a different perspective. So I felt like but it all adds up to uh the message. Yeah. 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 No, I I could get that. The there was curious some, I, mm-hmm. I'll go ahead. I, I was going to say the the curious thing about his relationship with this girl is that he's trying to figure out what gives her her vitality, her liveliness, right? And then he straight up asks her at one point. And I'm thinking, boy, if, I, if I'm 20 years old and someone comes to me and says, how the hell are you so lively, some old man? I say, I'm young. I have energy. Like, that's, that's, that's literally it. I, I don't know better than to be beaten down by the world yet, I guess, is another aspect of it, but... But is that so like I can do you not remember old people saying things like that to us when we were in our youth and like we never like and I've noticed that with young people today when like you express uh, you know it's tired bullshit the way I was you express some kind of like um, admiration for their or or, you know like oh man uh, I I can't believe you went uh, you know snowboarding all day yesterday and you went out drinking till four o'clock in the morning and it's uh, 10 o'clock and and you're here having you're upright and having a conversation with me Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. they're like I I feel like young people are quick to be like oh yeah well my shoulders all fucked up and you know I I I got a bad hangover and they they want to they they want to make common cause with you rather like I don't think if someone asked me in twenty it's like why why are you so lively I'd be like oh I'm my body's at my my peak and I got all this energy and I got testosterone running through every pore of my body and mm-hmm. I want to kill and fuck everything like like you don't that's not what you say like you don't think about it in those terms you just think and I I'm I'm yeah I I just I am I don't know I am <laughs> right like how do you and it's, it's only it's only when you get to the other mm-hmm. side where mm-hmm. you realize ah oh, shit these are the things you take, you think you're always going to have that experience and it, it slowly goes away from you. And and yeah, I thought it was yeah. interesting that the young woman in this case, like, didn't have, like, 
well, shit, I'm just I'm just full of I'm just full of fizz, man. I'm full of beans. She's like, oh, well, I work at a toy factory. And when I, I make these purpose. toy rabbits, mm-hmm. I feel like I am playing with all the children in J- Japan. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. But that's literally not true. The reason she's so full of it because because yeah, she's young and she's refreshable and everything that she every restaurant she goes to is the best restaurant she's ever been to. Every right, park right. she's been goes to is the most beautiful, awesome park she's ever been. And you know, and 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 <laughs> and that's the other thing is like I think the two contrasts between the author and the young woman is the author is been there, done that, mm-hmm. and. The salaryman's like, I don't, this isn't, nah, it's it's not for me. I just want to sing in a bar and be sad at the end of it. Whereas the young girl expressed jealousy of him so many times. Like, oh my God, you've got a house and you've got a, a handsome son that must make you proud. Like she, he, he got something different from her because he got a little bit of like, okay, well, I'm not. I haven't completely wasted my life, even though it kind of twisted the knife because his house is kind of run down and his kid doesn't really love him. And, and, and having not thought about this movie for 70 years. Right. I hope you'll excuse me. Uh, I, I'm kind of thinking about the movie in real time here and formulating feelings and thoughts about it. And I guess if I'm looking at those two relationships, one is feeding into the next in ways that are educating him over the course of this movie, right? So the first time, he has no fucking idea what to do with his six months. He doesn't even know how to spend his money. He can't He can't think of anything to buy. He can't think of an experience to go have. And this author teaches him how to open up and spend his money um, and spend the fruits of the labor that he's kept himself from leading a life by doing for the last 30 years. And then he takes that learning that he does there and he tries to map it onto this relationship with this girl mm-hmm. he's taking her out he's going ice skating and pachinko i mean they they go to the pachinko parlor just like he did with that guy um, right. he's taking her out to sushi restaurants and fancy dining and and he's trying to say i'm i'm gonna go live a life and i'm gonna do it with this girl this young woman i should say um but then she eventually says, like, this is this is not it, man. You know, she she's like she gets tired of it. She's like, yeah, I, I thought it was fancy and nice and it is for a while, but that can't be a life unto itself. You need something to give you purpose. And none of this stuff does. It's just a distraction, honestly. Um, and so he eventually has to come out and just ask her, well, what the hell? What the hell is it then? If it's not this, what the hell is it? And she says, I make something. How does that contrast with like, because I was also looking because I I thought this is an interesting point that the writer comes up with. He's like, you know, he's like, uh, you know, our 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 spiritual philosophy or religion teaches us that suffering is noble. It opens your eyes up to the truth. But the truth is, it's your human duty to enjoy life. You have to be. He gave Greedy. like the um, yeah. yeah, he gave he gave the Gordon Gecko speech, uh-huh. except for money. It's for life. You got to be greedy for life. You got to be greedy for enjoying life to not enjoy life is to desecrate the gift that the gods have given you. Well, I, I don't think his lessons are to be taken. As gospel. Well, and also you, you maybe, but like, what does life mean? You know, like, what is a hero? What does it mean to live? Is it like, mm-hmm. you know, are you being greedy for life by 
going to the best titty bars and drinking the most expensive sake and t- you know getting all the massages and five yeah put, putting the you're wearing the finest clothes or is being greedy for life trying to expend as much of your energy as possible making serving others making other people happy making the community around you more beautiful more useful more productive more um harmonious uh and the reason i say it's it's not to be taken as gospel is because i think the author would 100 percent say that that is being greedy for life mm-hmm. but i don't think being greedy for life is a good thing as evidenced mm-hmm. by his relationship with the young woman later because it doesn't yeah, bring him sees... fulfillment it doesn't even bring her fulfillment and she's young yeah. and vital so like yeah 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 and then she's the aware is eventually is what the movie is saying <laughs> He's, he's, he's also, partially right, maybe, but he's definitely ultimately wrong. I also like how, you know, like you said in the beginning, she just thinks this is awesome. This old guy's like, you know, just uh, whining and dining her. And then she realizes that, you know, there's something that strikes her wrong about it. Like, mm-hmm. it's creeping her out. The fact that this guy is literally like a vampire. He's just like, you know, wanting to absorb her vitality, you know through osmosis and she wants to break it off she's like this yeah this isn't right this is creepy and uh i thought and that he was is greedy for she's... life right he's trying to have all these experiences with her yeah. in this compressed time frame he's right. spending the fruits of his labor to buy her things that would cost her you know months of her life to to accumulate the wealth to buy and then yeah it comes off as like a desperate feeling Mm-hmm. throughout yeah. that that whole sequence yeah and it just puts him in dutch with his you know because all of his family think oh here's wantanabe running around he's fine you know he, he said mm-hmm. he 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 made all these sad that's the other interesting thing is he made all these sacrifices for his son and in doing so he lost his son and they're all just yeah. assuming it's like, oh, well, he always said that, you know, he'd made up. But now that the uh, son's moved out of the house, it's time to get uh, what 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 is the word that they translated? It wasn't perverted. It was it's some kind of old timey word for horny. And you don't hear it very often. I thought it's funny shit. <laughs> I can't believe I've forgotten it. But um, oh, Letcher. Oh, yeah. Your yeah, dad, yeah. he's just being he's just being a lecherous old man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And, uh, yeah, that's the other thing is like when you do the fast forward and they're, you know, um, that felt a little repetitive that like everyone had to come to all the conclusions that have been, you know, put through. It's like, oh, he went out drinking and cavorting with his new author friend or, oh, he was dating his young mistress or, oh, he was just trying to show up something. And he had to, you know, go watch these people flail around and then recall their experiences with Wantanabe in the last months of his life and like no nah, it can't be that because that doesn't make sense because of this and it's like mm-hmm. watching a whodunit where you you saw who did it from the, the first act that might have made it feel like because I'm with you I feel like this movie could be 15 20 minutes shorter I don't know about 30 but I, I think I've said the exact same thing about it's a wonderful life like I think they sure. that, that that film would be a little bit better if they trimmed a bit um, but that's that's not just old movies man like i i love maltese falcon but maltese falcon's editing is atrocious in places <laughs> like by modern oh standards like oh my god mm-hmm. uh oof, some of those uh transitions from place to place like really they, they belabor the point but i don't know i uh, there's other things like i how many attempts at humor are made in this film 
because I can't tell like there's one obvious uh, one. The women getting the run around by the bureaucrats is, is filmed as farce and it feels like it. It's got the music, the editing, the wry looks on the people's faces, the increasingly ludicrous ways they're trying to justify that like, oh, well, we can't drain the swamp mm-hmm. pit because the fire Fire people, they, they have low water pressure. They might, and then the fireman's like, oh, we're not going to suck shit through our hose. No, nah, you need to go see. And it just like, it gets more and more of, and they're just, yeah. And, and it's it's farcical and that like, this is all taking place under these signs. It says, as a citizen, if you have any problem, any complaint, please bring it to us. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and then so that's funny. Back around to the very department they started at, right? Which is Watanabe's yeah. department. So that's that's obviously supposed to be funny. Is him in the doctor's office waiting and having this guy sidle up to him and tell him about all the symptoms of stomach cancer and like him slowly turn away and kind of look at the camera and his face like he mugs bigger and bigger, bigger on his face. To me, that came off like the scene in Airplane where Leslie Nielsen is describing the scenes of food, Uh, food the symptoms of food poisoning, Mm -hmm. like there's a little bit of is it black comedy or is maybe I just that's a cultural thing because it read to me like comedy this guy being like oh and if they tell you you can eat anything that's going to be a year left to live and and at first it starts off you can't eat meat and then you can't even choke down noodles and mm-hmm. I, I, it felt funny to me but <laughs> I don't it's know possible yeah I'm, I'm not certain about that thing that was killing me in that scene is like I already knew the outcome of it so a lot of that felt pretty perfunctory to me like uh, do we really need to go through this like the character needs to learn the that he has stomach cancer obviously I, I almost feel like it's a mistake to show that x-ray at the very beginning that scan. I was about to say I, and look far be it for me to <laughs> criticize you know one of the greatest filmmakers of all time but I don't think that belongs there I don't think that narration should happen I think we should just see him going about his business living no kind of life here and these women getting the runaround and we can go from there I yeah I I totally agree that's one of the things I want to talk about is like I don't know whether because x-rays were invented like the turn of the last century so like I was my first thought is like well maybe it's just the novelty of seeing an x-ray or maybe this was like a moving x-ray like this was like a like an early cat scan like it's the technology but like that showing the stomach cancer literally and then having the narration saying oh Wantanabe doesn't know but he's got a tumor and it's growing and, and uh, he's gonna be dead yeah there's no way to be operate. dead yeah I kind of think the film would be a notch better without that yeah yeah I I don't know I'm sure there's some defense you could mount to say that it's important and useful to have that in there but I felt like it was, it made later scenes, it made me start tapping my toe going, okay, when are we going to get to the part where he learns? Yeah, and um, I also want to point out Takashi Shimura's performance here because I've only seen him as noble samurai, you know, leader of men, uh, commanding, kind of a vital, and this like shrunken, breathy performance heavily made up as the movie goes on he's his features grow more and more gaunt and he looks older and older um i can't believe it's the same guy in rashomon it blows my fucking mind 
mm-hmm. how like every scene he's just barely kind of creaking out a whisper and he wants to know how why are you so young and uh it it's it's and he, even in the part where you'd expect him to be like scrooge where he's just like rushing around and he's you know like getting things done he still is like it's not like Scrooge where he's just full of vigor and vim and he's slinging out turkeys and geese and all that stuff. He's still going to each minister and being like, oh, I need you to reconsider my, you know, he's like obvious on death's door. And that's one of the things that I don't know the work for me in the film is they had this thing where it's like every time he'd run into this officious bureaucrat that, you know, in his position, he would have turned. In fact, he did turn this exact same plea down a month ago. Mm hmm. And there's this thing that he does where the camera kind of catches Watanabe's eyes when he's making this plea. And it, and, and the, the, the bureaucrat looks at him and, like, looks at him indifferently and then suddenly changes his mind. You know, like, that happens three different times. I don't know why. Is it, like, some kind of, like spiritual mystique that he had with the knowledge that he's dying like some kind of like weird but but there's nothing the script or the uh, on the film in the film that made me that made me understand like well shit i watched these women do this for 10 minutes in the first movie and he's just going to speed run it and all he's got to do is a certain look yeah to me it came across as like a force of will sort of thing like a, a lot of the time you see him in these offices, he's sitting there s- sort of, um, you know, monk-like, right? He's he's just kind of in one position, and he's sitting very stoically, and he's just waiting for his, you know, message to sink in, I guess. And then he'll come in with the plea, and, and, and they just realize that this is a man who actually wants the thing that he's asking for this is not this is not like a a guy who's going to take no for an answer i guess is is the real thing that i was getting there like if i tell this guy no he's going to be back tomorrow or he may not even leave he may sit out in the hallway for the next four days waiting for my answer to change that's what it felt like to me. It's a force of will sort of I thing. I think they could have done a better, you know, like if they're going for the biblical, like the Jesus parable of the the woman that pesters the judge until she gets justice, not because he loves justice, just because he's sick and fucking tired of this woman coming into his office every day being like, give me justice. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like they could have done a better job of showing him like day after day coming in relentless. Like I'm, I have no other thing to do. This is the most important thing in my life. And I'm just going to keep coming at you and keep coming at you and keep coming at you. You're never going to get a moment's peace, but they didn't. It's like, he just yeah, had his look. He had this like dead man's look that he fixed him with. And that just, that just greased the wheels. And it doesn't feel like he did that with everyone, right? Like the deputy mayor, I'm I'm looking at him and saying, why did he reconsider? And and it is, it's just that look, right? He goes to his office, he gives him the proposal, the deputy mm-hmm. mayor turns him down, and he goes to him and says, please reconsider. And, and the, the deputy mayor gets a little insulted at that, right? He, he's like, what did you say? Yeah. And he's just like, well, I just meant please reconsider your position and he says it very strongly and very but but not like not like he's telling them he has to but he's just earnestly pleading with this man and it moves him i guess but then later in the movie they make the case that 
well, this was all coincidence. You know, it wasn't this man's force of will that made it happen. It's because there's an election going and this guy wanted to look good for the public here. And so building a park would be a great thing to help him get votes. Um, but I think that's shown to be not true by the end. Yeah, there's just a one particular guy who seems like he's most taken by um, Wantanabe's sacrifice, and mm-hmm. he keeps insisting. Like he brings it back around to like, no, that's not a can. It's it's it's, it's all been Wantanabe. And uh, yeah, I think that's the film's perspective, but like mm-hmm. it's not a very satisfying one. You know, it's like if you want to get things done in life, just get cancer, and <laughs> that cancer will fill you with the conviction you needed well, to blow I mean, through ideally. Any- no, without the cancer, you could you could have that conviction, right? And that's like the thing that's saying at the end: you could have that conviction, you could get things done, but you just don't have any incentive to. The system yeah. has usurped whatever vitality you would have had, whatever you know, uh, feeling like I can get out there and I can change something. It's just eaten all that away. I thought Kurosawa is almost directorial in, in a very similar thing as we're talking about looks here. Like I thought it was almost directorial malpractice because um, the guys were talking about, oh, you remember, you know, um, when the park was under construction and he would show up there and he would watch it and he's shepherding it like his own child and his, his eyes beam with pride. But then they show Wantanabe sitting there and he looks like a man who's dying. He looks like a sad depressed mm-hmm. old man who's holding by like it, it, and 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 the words that they were saying that I mean maybe this is maybe this is actually intentional that the because like these guys had made so many other bad surmisals about like maybe they're misremembering him and that's the point but like it felt like a jarring thing to hear these guys talk about like oh the look in his eyes as you watch the park the pride that he had like the pride in his child but maybe they're trying to he's trying to draw a comparison to how he felt about his real child but that doesn't make sense either i i think and and like i i'd like i i would like to see him beaming and smiling like yes i did it i got it done because that's kind of the feeling you get you know the contrast between him singing that song about you know how fleeting life is Mm -hmm. life is brief at the you know the bar where he's like got everybody depressed want to blow their brains out and then when he's sitting on the the swing set at the end um number one there's not as much contrast in those scenes as people seem to think in all the reviews and the discussion i was reading like this was not like a sad versus a joyful this was a like i'm satisfied maybe (laughs) yeah because it's it's a sad song you can't sing Mm -hmm, it happy mm -hmm. But there's a couple things where like, and maybe it's culturally that like, oh yeah, this is this for in for Japanese men in 1952. This was beaming with pride. This is what you would just was what you just is the look on your face you'd have if you were when your firstborn child is born. I don't know. It's well, just, it is bittersweet. I mean, it's it's a hundred percent bittersweet moment because he's built this amazing thing that is going to he you know feels proud about and has given him his life back. But it's only in the final moment where his life is being taken from him. Imagine if he had lived 30 years like this. Yeah. Then this scene would be the happy version that everyone, you know, might think it would be. But it's tinged with that sadness that I only got this very short period to live this life that I could have been living the entire time. Um, And I will say I don't want to. Here's the thing that's uh, (laughs) funny. 
about this. I don't want to say that everything in here is 100% intentional or, you know, that that the, the director can do no wrong, no matter how legendary they are. Because I think, speaking of directorial malpractice, I think it's almost a crime not to end the movie on that shot. I, I expected the film to end right then and there. Mm-hmm. And you almost yeah here's the thing i don't think the director understood how iconic of a shot this would be which is kind of wild because if he did he would have probably put it at the very end of the film just end it with that and that is just like the moment but then he doesn't get to put the audience on trial because that final scene you can you can do that both you i I think you could put this after the ending of the actual uh, the after the actual ending of the movie and this would work just as well on both levels Huh. I just don't think he thought it was quite as iconic as it turned out to be. Because I did like that final scene where they all, all the men at that wake are like, we're not going to let our life slip by. We're going to follow the example of Watanabe. We're going to, you know, not let this bureaucracy get us down. And literally the next day, they're all sitting there at the new director and someone comes in Mm -hmm. with a request and he pawns it off. And the one guy who's been saying no is Wantanabe. He's Wantanabe's defender stands up and like his chair clatters to like, he's, he's full of, he's going to be like, what the fuck? We were just there at the man's wake and we said we would never do this. And then like the section chief looks at him like, yes. And everybody else like that feels the same or like uh, kind of. And then you there's this great shot of him literally retreating behind the mm-hmm. wall the of red. Of- yeah, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's a castle wall built of paperwork and red tape. Yeah. Uh, and there's a great line about these guys be- bemoaning the bureaucracy where they're like, just to get a trash can emptied in this city, you have to fill out enough paperwork to fill another trash can. <laughs> so like the end, why the fuck would you do that? Yeah. You know, you're going to you're going to end up with the full trash. Yeah, but it's like there's no like, there's. um I don't know. I mean, it's a very David Simon thing that like when you go against the system, you can't beat it. There's no way to win. The only thing you can do is individual direct action to help like your community and each other. You're not going to you're not going to you're not going to you're going to win against that. Um Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's that seems to be I I don't know if the movie is challenging you at the end to to make that not true um to to buck against that or if it's trying to say well that's just how it is. <laughs> Or what? Because I don't have the context culturally for this time. It definitely felt challenging to me, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of the man's, the old man's death, death uh, glare. Because uh, he said he only used it the one time, but like the most notable, I thought, was when he used it against the like yakuza guy. Oh who's yeah, yeah. Like, because they're wanting, you know, they had the, they had the plans for this slum pit themselves. They wanted to get a red light district going, and uh, you know, these guys were leaning on the politicians. And the guy shows up, and the head of the gang. I think it's. I mean, I don't know if they had Yakuza back in the fifties, but it's mm-hmm. it's or, you know organized crime. Mm-hmm. And the guy, you know, like uh, unlike the deputy mayor, he's like, you got a death wish, old man. You're not afraid to die. And like <laughs> Wantanavi like, just yeah, Wantanavi's like. And it backs him the fuck off. Uh, yeah, I didn't understand that. That's that's the right? one that, that made less the least sense to me because these guys have motivations for trying to do the things they're doing, whereas everybody else is just trying not to rock the boat, 
right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just trying but to. But these guys them. actively want something in opposition to what he wants, and I don't know why they would give a shit about this old man stare. Yeah. Um. Because like, were they intimidated by it? I, I mean, a man with nothing like man to lose not is a dangerous the- man, but. That would have been an interesting seem... film if, like, you know, the next scene he's like stacking <laughs> crates of dynamite sword. and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he Starts does a bonsai charge on walls. Him. Yeah, huh? uh, just turn turns into, uh, yeah, John Woo film. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's a couple things I didn't quite because that's the thing. It's like I always look when I see these movies are aspirational. I it's like I always look for like, um, okay, you descriptively identified the problem what's your prescription Mm -hmm. and getting out and doing something building something making community better is all but like the prescription here is ludicrous like get cancer so you don't have anything left to fear and then that that power and conviction will allow you to steamroll everybody that's in your way yeah that's a little it's a little false to me plays a little false yeah, and I wonder if that's not the thing. I wonder if the thing is don't let yourself get trapped into this pattern in the first place. Well, if yeah. that's the prescription, because the the young woman escapes it, right? She's well, we don't off. know. She's we, we. I'd love to see her at fifty fifty years old. Sure, yeah, working in the factory for thirty years. Got to make these fucking buddies. Oh, I hate mm-hmm. these kids so much. Why don't they all just die when the, fact, uh, when, the, when the factory shuts down and it's shipped off to Vietnam or China? Uh huh. And suddenly and, she doesn't have uh, anything to show for her 30 years. And she's just, it, there's a lot of jokes about like she she's got it figured out. Right. And then yeah. she transfers that to Watanabe who does his thing. There's a lot of there's a couple of jokes that were told in the movie that I didn't get. There's like uh, the, the businessman had a real hearty haha about the idea of a geisha girl who is a part time student. Hmm. Um. I was trying to think of like, were they trying to make a parallel to the other student, the young, the young woman? But I, I don't know. Is I don't know why that's funny. Yeah. Um, there's a joke in the beginning, you know, that kind of inspires him to realize, oh yeah, that is that's me. You're talking about that liars club thing. I don't know. Oh yeah, um, where you know the guy takes a decides not to take any vacations because not because. They couldn't do without him because they would realize they don't need him. Mm-hmm. Which is I less felt... played for a joke and more played for setup of the man's situation, right? Yeah, agreed. What else do you have? Because, like I said, Michael has some thoughts that he liked us consider. I'm not sure if we've gotten to some of these or not, but uh, I don't want to. I don't want to step on your toes. Don't want to get in the way of you akiruing. I found the most effective scene in this entire movie to be the scene where he sings Life is Brief for the first time. That to me was the most haunting. Um, Even more so than the shot on the swing. I think the shot, the one that really got me and I got a little bit of a lump in my throat was when he got rebuffed by his son or, or maybe he overheard his son and his, uh, his daughter-in-law talking about him and how they just want his money. And yeah, there's a scene where he's like in t- complete shadow and he's winding, I mm-hmm. think it's alarm clock, which yeah, yeah. is illuminated. And it's kind of like, I think. I think I think Kurosawa was literally saying this is a stomach cancer that's eventually going to like it's it's like he's got a fine amount of life and he lays down and he weeps 
at the state of his life and then the camera goes over and shows this frame plaque that's like for 25 years of distinguished service in the civil department that i really fucking felt like oh my god to Um, me the the clock is like what the fuck is the point I'm winding this clock so I can wake up tomorrow to do the same damn thing I've done for the last 30 years that's led me to this point where I'm wholly dissatisfied with my life and now I, I have think it's literally left. I think it's literally representing the tumor though because the way it's only a lit and the way he's holding it in the exact same Over way position yeah. that that stomach cancer was in the beginning and it's a, yeah, it's an it's alarm. It's a, a ticking time mm-hmm. yeah um, but like going through his head is what why what is the point of winding? What is the point of setting alarm clock when you have six months left to live? Yeah, all you have all the money you'll ever need. You don't. Please don't work unless it's for something uh, that you're passionate about or something that's going to do some good. Because, like, boy, that's a waste of time, huh? Do you want to get to uh, Michael's comments now? Uh, yeah, sounds good. Uh, so he says a couple things like you discuss your experience with Kurosawa this movie gave me a new appreciation for how amazing a filmmaker he is this movie is made in 52 the year that the US transferred power back to Japan you think a movie like this could have been made in 1952 America I think Japan in 1952 could be forgiven for moving a little slowly and Kurosawa obviously doesn't agree do I think a movie like this could have made in 1952 America yes yes I think that was the height of like nearing the height of American progressivism um, a wonderful life was made in 47 wasn't it um, 46 so yeah I I hmm. think that we did make a movie like, like this um, and it's it's typically American and it's uh, unrelenting optimism like I think I think America needs another 20, 30 years before we get depressed enough to make a movie with this same, like a wonderful life with this kind of same sentiment. But like, yeah, Hmm. that's the thing I kept on thinking, like in the backdrop of World War Two. Like, what is that? I mean, you know, we talk about losing in Vietnam. And, you know, withdrawing off Afghanistan, but America's never been really beaten you gotta go back to 1812 they've been fended <laughs> off but like this is yeah, yeah like i said you gotta go back to 1812 different. before like a outside mm-hmm. uh invader came and like just traumatized the shit out of a country like even like even like look what look what we did with 9-11 um mm-hmm. like what must it be like for an entire nation to wake up from this like you know this emperor worship and you got the atomic bombs dropped and like the firebombing and all that stuff and how many of your young men that whole generation just blotted out and yeah, what was like? I, it's like I, I don't know the answers to this, but like I, I just I'd like, love to watch and and get a good Criterion edition of this film with a nice director's commentary, with a nice commentary, historical commentary. Oh yeah, that's out there. And figure it because like yeah, I, I I'm sure he had tons of things to say about that. But uh, we look at the know. the cinema of the time, right? And I you don't you don't see the same reaction. Um, to the events of World War II over there as you do here. Uh, over yeah. there, it's not about the fear of of something nuclear happening here. It's about the very real fact that it is happening. Like, Godzilla is going to come out four years later. Right, and, right. And it doesn't... It's not like, oh, there's a Godzilla out there. I hope it doesn't get to Tokyo. No, he's fucking trashing their cities he's burning their shit to the ground like they had a completely different reaction because they had a completely different experience so yeah Mm -hmm. i I think 
I think you could have made something like this, but it wouldn't feel the same. Definitely. That's what I'm saying. It's like it'd have a different perspective. You, you feel like I you, you, you watch Wonderful Life and there's a completely different feeling in your chest mm-hmm, than mm-hmm. and or if you watch Christmas Code, then if you watch this, it's a completely oh, yeah. different. Like Wonderful Life is like George turned things around and discovered the meaning of family and community, and you can too. And uh-huh. Kurosawa is like Wantanabe turned things around, discovered the meaning of family and community, and you fucking won't do it, you goddamn pussy. Yeah. Because like the system's going to crush you, yeah. Because it's going to crush you, and you're not strong. You're not strong enough to resist, you coward. Like that's mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's fundamentally much more bitter and discontented, and, and less sense. optimistic. Look, yeah, yeah. Uh, who did? Uh, who is Frank? What was his name? Kafa. That did like like <laughs> maybe the director of um, Cap Capra. It's, it, Capra. Um, yeah. Maybe the, he needed a little bit less, more cynicism because if you look at what happened to, you know, post post war America, um, mm. heading into the eighties, uh, we're we're a lot closer <laughs> to what Pottersville than we are to the 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 America that George wanted to 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 provide for his countrymen. Well, he's trying to provide a blueprint for the way are, to do it right. We've gotten away from our experience with the uh, Kurosawa. Um, mm-hmm. I had not seen anything but the Seven Samurai until like three years ago when HBO at the time had the entire library of Kurosawa. And I found that out on like I usually do with HBO when it's on the leaving soon section. <laughs> so I had like uh-huh. a week to watch as much as I could. And I watched uh, Rashomon. I watched Yojimbo and... I want to say either Hidden Fortress or Throne of Blood, but I couldn't tell you which one. I'd have to see the first five minutes to know which one. Um, And I don't know if I came away with a better appreciation because I, I came into all those films with like, oh, this is one of the greatest filmmakers of a entire country of people. So, of course, it's going to be good. And it's more of like it was a fascination of like uh, Yojimbo is the the way that like, you know, you always talk about like cultural appropriation where like someone goes by and is like, oh, I like that about your culture. Yoink with not any kind of understanding and appreciation of it Mm -hmm. versus cultural appreciation. And it felt like with Westerns that there was a lot of cultural appreciation going on between Japan and, you know, it's like America will look at Seven Samurai and remake it as the Magnificent Seven. And uh, Kurosawa will look at the good or uh, a fistful of dollars and turn it into Yojimbo. Um, That's like, you know, the like, and, and, and not like it with aping, like the seven samurai and the magnificent seven are completely different films with the exact same plot structure. Um, like the, the, the magnificent seven is an American film and the seven samurai is a Japanese film, but like that, like I, I got an appreciation for what that means to culturally appreciate something and adapt it with like a sensitivity to what made the original great. And also the differences that you, you, you'd have to adapt, uh, you know, account for in the adaptation, but like, yeah, like Jimbo's great. Um, might be my favorite hmm. Kurosawa film. All right. I haven't uh, actually seen any Kurosawa stuff aside from this like, now. Like a lot of the Seven Samurai, there's not as much samurai stuff as you might want or hope. Just like if you're a big fan of like shootouts and cowboy action, like Magnificent Seven certainly got it. But like, 
you know, it, it's got a lot more where Yojimbo's just say, yeah, this is this is the Clint Eastwood of Samurai. He's the best in a sword. He can fucking outduel people with guns. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's just like, yeah, he's going to he's just going to roll into a street of toughs with a sword and leave them all bleeding. And, you know, it's 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 much more of a badass film, I guess. Yeah, I might have seen Seven Samurai. I can't remember. Guess what? Hmm. HBO Max. Uh, is having another Kurosawa fest. As far as I can Back. tell, hmm. most of his mainline, I mean, it doesn't have every, like Kurosawa made like, what, 100 films in Japan? But it's got like all the ones you would have possibly heard about uh, uh, right now. So if you want to fill in some Kurosawa holes, it's a great time to do it. And I don't think it's in the leaving soon section. So yeah, if you, if you want to fill some Kurosawa holes, Max is, is where to do it at. It's where I watched this film last night. Maybe... If you don't want to watch any more Kurosawa, maybe you found the cultural dissonance too big an obstacle. What if I told you there was a 2022 film called Living starring Bill Nye that is a remake of this movie? I would say get the fuck out of here. That does, That's not real. It's real. There's no way. No way it's something good, that it's relevant that this, this podcast happened last year. <laughs> yeah, totally real. Uh I don't know. I might give that one a shot too, uh, but we'll see. Bill Nye's and I can see it. Like as soon as this is yeah. Bill Nye, it's like I can totally see. Um, we'll say that one's a little more briskly paced. It's an hour forty-two, so. But it looks like a one-to-one retelling. I don't know if that'll be good or or boring, but who knows? Uh, Michael also wondered what did we think of Takashi Shimura's performance I assume that Akira was made when Shimura was an old man I was shocked when I saw this was actually two years before Shimura played their leader of the seven samurai yeah same dude I I, I mean I knew the timing but like I it's it's hard to understate the transformation and the differences in the roles and it's this and the fact it's the same guy it, it really is impressive hmm. and it's it's been a minute since i've seen those films like i said it's been like three four years since i've seen uh yojimbo or not yojimbo um rashomon it's been many more years since i've seen the last the last time because the seven samurai is one i didn't watch because like i had a limited amount of time like i've seen that one but like yeah i was i i couldn't believe as the same guy um, it is I, the only thing I'd say is like I guess I wish that maybe they had given him a little bit more lightness in some of those final scenes but that's just because I'm a dumb American and unless a person's smiling I don't know that they're content and happy so <laughs> yeah I, I think the makeup is not amazing all they kind of did was put a dark spots on his cheeks to like indicate oh yeah he's a sick and dying man very stagey uh, but makeup, the performance yeah, yeah it's very mm-hmm. stagey but the performance is excellent I, I felt the weight of his wasted life yeah and a lot of times if you're like just familiar with like performances in Asian cinema from like kung fu films like you might be forgiven that like it's like goddamn Japanese Chinese Hong Kong actors don't know how to act all they can do is like these but that's like saying you've seen I don't know Rambo three, and you know how all Americans act. Like you know, uh-huh. not everybody. Yeah. You know, we're not always running around. Run, run. It's you know, like it's <laughs> you actually see people. Um, like these are all like recognizably human performances. Uh-huh. Like yeah. if they're speaking a language you don't understand, but like 
it's like, oh yeah, I've I, I've 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 been in these kind of boardroom situations. I've been in, you know, I've been out drinking with buddies, and it ended up like this. And it's like that. This was one of the the Kurosawa films. I felt like the cultural differences are the least. It caused the least amount of friction. You know, like I was hmm. okay. You know, because when yeah, when you're watching these old samurai films, like it's just very heightened. Uh, yeah. the storytelling and and the, the world building and you know it's literally not a real place where this felt this felt very real what do we think of the time skip we talked about that already uh, finally says PS I was thrilled that you recorded Afterlife right before this the character Watanabe in Afterlife has to be influenced by Akiru he was a salaryman whose life was too boring to come up with a memory you quoted Ebert on Corita when he said he was among the greatest humanist filmmakers, when Ebert used Kurosawa as an example of a humanist, I'm pretty sure he's talking about this film. Hmm. In a Seven Samurai review, Ebert called this Kurosawa's best movie, and I couldn't agree more. I mean, that's the thing. It's like best versus favorite is sure pretty. You can have a pretty. You can you can drive a car between between those points a lot of times. Uh, mm-hmm. So I don't know, and I it's like. I hate to say that I even have a handle on Kurosawa's films because like so many of them I've only seen once. I think I've seen Seven Samurai twice. It's the only one I've seen more than once. Um, so yeah, I would I, I would need to sit down there and and, and the way like you know like when I'm talking about Cop- uh, Cop- Coppola Coppola how do I say that is it Coppola? I'd say Coppola. Coppola, okay. Um, and Scorsese is like I've seen so many of those films many 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 times. Um. Mm-hmm. But this, yeah, like I, I guess I need to see more Kurosawa uh, to see which one is my best and what, which one is my favorite. Uh, and I think that's it. You got anything else to say? No, I'm good. Michael, thank you so much for your support of Bald Move by commissioning this podcast. Uh, it's uh, I, I love it when people sit me down to watch movies that I might not otherwise have had a reason to go back and see. Uh, this is a great one. Um, it's given me a lot to think about. I wish I had more time to sit and think about it before we talked about it, but uh, that's that's the life of the the fast fast paced life of podcasters. I'm going to now sink ben- beneath my paperwork and red tape. Thank you for your support. If you would like to commission your own podcast and uh, make us watch some black and white existential foreign film, it's in it's in your power. You can do it right now. Go to support.baldmove.com. Check the link that says commission a podcast. Pay the money. Put the thing in the blank. I will reach out to you and do the rest. Michael, once again, thank you very much for commissioning Akiru. We'll see you on the next Prestige podcast. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya.